0: host Dmitri Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDOCast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich and joining me is my good buddy Thomas Drans. Tom, it's like Christmas morning. We're gonna <laughs> open some presents here today. We're gonna we're gonna come up with some some trades, some fake trades that we want to see. It's a glorious time for us and for our listeners.
1: How's it going, bud? Oh, it's going well. I just arrived in Nashville and I'm excited. It's hot as anything mm-hmm. up in here. Uh It's going to be a ton of fun. Nashville is one of my favorite cities uh, to have awards tonight, the draft, uh, and then like right into free agency. The truncated offseason calendar is going to be a ton of fun, like between Wednesday and Saturday. It's just like everything that you need to see is going to drop in just what I assume will be a wild 96 hours. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it, but also kind of stealing myself, you know, trying to make sure I'm rested, Hmm. you know, mixing in a water. (laughs) <laughs> making smart. sure i'm making sure i'm good to go so well this isn't your first be a of fun you're a no it... already so you know what to do <laughs> um here's the plan
0: for today so as i as i hinted at there we're gonna bring back a concept that we had a lot of fun with pretty much for the past couple of trade deadlines we're gonna it's a good time to do so again right uh, instead of the mid-season edition though we're gonna do the off-season edition of trades we'd like to see i think it provides a perfect te- perfect template to get people's kind of brains jogging in terms of what would be fun stuff to happen I implore you not to get too bogged down with specific logistics of like, oh, that guy's actually worth an extra fourth round pick instead of a third. But yeah, concepts are what's important. And and the only rules we're going to try to abide by are the deals have to involve players that we at least have some reason to believe are available. And the deal also has to be like legally possible under the CBA in terms of like the (laughs) cap math making sense and like trade protections at least reasonably being able to be worked around. But other than that, everyone is fair game. We're going to hopefully have some fun stuff, some that we might actually see happen, probably a lot that are too exotic for the NHL standards, but nonetheless, still fun to think about. (laughs) I'll give you the floor here. You said you have 11 cooked up. I think I have like 15 or 16. I'm sure there's some overlap between them. So I'll give you the floor. Give me your first one and let's just get, let's start cranking it out.
1: Well, let me start. Like I consider this to be my masterpiece. I ran it today at the Athletic. You can go check out part two of my off season or silly season Canucks mailbag because I sort of went into it here. But Are I'm going to start there. Doing
0: plugs at the top of the show, Tom.
1: Right,
0: but is, Generally, wh- what's we the problem with that? It's industry practice to save it till the end. But all
1: right. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm. Look, I'm going to abide by the CBA rules, but not by that one. Okay. Fair um. Enough. So, so, look, I love this trade because it, it really is on brand. It, it features the Vancouver Canucks, and it features my guy, Will Borgen, coming to Vancouver. All right. So, the logic of this trade starts with Seattle, not with Vancouver. But I've got a few of these because I think Seattle needs to be in the business of turning good players into great players. Uh, I really think that has to be their sole focus, their sole purpose priority over the next two, three years. And I think Vegas showed the way Uh, this Kraken team was good, but it wasn't a contender. And if they're going to get to be a contending team, as we've seen, like you can't hold too tight to your top prospects. You can't hold too tight to Alex Tuck, no matter how cool he is. And he's very cool. You need to be willing to go for it. Um, Ron Francis has some history with Brett Pesci in Carolina, uh, some buzz, although it's quieting that Brett Pesci could move uh, this offseason as a result of the the extension dynamics that he's looking at. So here's a three-team trade to get Seattle, Brett Pesci, and it results in Will Borgen co- coming to Vancouver. So when we see these top pair guys move of late, it's been a first and a second has kind of been like general market price, mm-hmm. but... Most of those players have team control beyond one year. On the other hand, Brett Pesci is materially better, in my view, than and Hironik, and um, Provorov, and I think the trade value would reflect that. So, so now we're looking at like a first, a second, a prospect, a good prospect, and that's a really steep price for Seattle to pay. So I work in a third team to, to defer the costs to Seattle, and, and here's how it's going to work. Vancouver pays Niels Hoaglander, uh, uh, a battle winning pint sized forward who, you know, would be like perfect. Like Ron Francis wants guys who can get in and just win battles. Niels Hoaglander designed in a lab to play in Ron Francis's system. They trade Niels Hoaglander to Seattle for Will Borgen. Okay. RFA defenseman, really good right-handed, uh, young right-handed D. Vancouver has now managed to do the seemingly impossible and convert a surplus of wing talent into a, a right-handed defender who is probably the best right-handed defender they've employed since Chris Tanev lost a step, or left town anyway. Um, to Carolina, they're going to bundle Nils Hoaglander, their first round pick at the 2023 NHL entry draft here in beautiful Nashville. And the last of their, sorry, they're going to get the their, and they're going to get the they're the last of their second round pick. So it's pick fifty seven. Yeah, yeah, they have three of them. So it's pick number fifty seven, and they're going to receive for that Brett Pesci and a third round pick from um from uh, Carolina, Carolina. So Mm -hmm. they'll they'll end up, you know, Carolina. Effective, Seattle ends up effectively trading down, uh you know, 15 spots on the second pick. So they've paid full freight here. Like, I like this trade the least from Seattle's perspective, to be totally honest with you. But realistically, they've trade a, traded a first and Will Borgan and a 15 round trade down for Brett Pesci. And I feel like that's the sort of aggressiveness that they kind of have to show here if they're going to level up a team that's not going to be bad enough to be picking in the top five of the NHL draft anytime soon.
0: Well, I'd take really? it even a step further. They're they're kind of just paying a first to upgrade from Will Borgen to Brett Pesci.
1: Right. Which is yeah. a material upgrade. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Uh, he would certainly be a player that would fit their system, would be an upgrade at that. Um, I guess the, the concern about Brett Pesci is what, when you acquire him, Part of the reason why I think I, I still think Carolina probably will wind up signing him long-term, but Me for too. the sake of this exercise, it's going to come with a seven-year commitment, I assume, right? At least probably not eight yep. because it'll be 30 by the time it kicks in, but a yep. seven-year commitment. Now, I think like his his playing style, especially for the first probably four years of that five years of that will age pretty gracefully. I don't think the cap hit is going to be so prohibitive at that over a seven-year term that it's like something you worry about that much. But it is going to be a, a pretty massive commitment for a player who will be in his 30s by the time that that kicks in. Right. So I think that would be the only potential thing of like, I don't know, this would give me a bit of pause, but I'm with you on I think Seattle should be in the business of being one of these teams of like consolidating some of these resources. Into upgrading, even if they're like slight upgrades, not necessarily for superstars. Just turning some of these good players into really good players and paying a bit of a yep. premium to do so. Because as we saw in the postseason, the depth is all well and good, but it's important to have guys who actually move the needle. And it's gonna be tough yep. for them to accomplish that up front. Like there's certainly upgrades they can make, but their barrier to entry on the forward group is is so high because they have essentially twelve guys who can all play at the NHL level. But on the blue line, I do think in the top four bringing in Pesci is that upgrade. So uh, I think that's an interesting one.
1: Well, and in particular, you know, they really tried to use that Borgan Alexia group and Tufts in the playoffs. Mm. And I, I just think that was sort of where some of the seams showed for them. Uh, upgrading on one of them to me is, is sort of, I, I mean, I don't, Oh, I don't see the Seattle Kraken's version of the Jack Eichel trade out there necessarily this summer. Although I've got some other ones that bring the Elias Lindholm. So we'll, we'll get mm-hmm. back to that. But you know whether whether you're upgrading on your second pair LD and pushing Alexiak back to play with Justin Schultz, although that sort of blocks Riker Evans, and, and I suspect that they'd prefer to upgrade on the right side, and 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 that makes Borgen a really attractive trade piece to use to level up quickly. Um, so anyway, that that's my that's my number one. That's my Mona Lisa here, uh, the three way trade that gets Vancouver a right handed defender upgrade that gets Carolina a better return than and Hronik and um, Provorov netted for their respective teams and that lands Seattle an absolute stud RD. I had a Pesci one going to Buffalo because he's near the top of my wish
0: list for them. Uh, I think, I think their priority should be, you know, one of them is finding a goalie to give you at least 40 average to above average starts to split the net with Devin Levi. So you're not putting too much on his plate. And I've already pitched the idea of offer shooting Jeremy Swayman to essentially like announce to the league and the Atlantic division that you're about to step over the Boston Bruins, steal him from them, <laughs> essentially <laughs> give just a second round comp to do so. And I, I love that idea. But the other priority should be finding a defenseman to play regular minutes next to Owen Power on the right side, right? Because mm. I think Henry Yokihari is a fine player, but he showed... The past last year in particular, that he just doesn't have the skill set or like the hockey brain to keep up with Owen Power. And that's not necessarily even a fault of his own because there's so few players that can, but like power is just such a brilliant mover. And there's so many plays that just died on Yokiharyu's stick because he just couldn't keep up with him. And yep. so in this case, Pesci would be almost the perfect sort of guy to tag along with him on that right side for the next five, six years. Love that. Now I don't think B- Buffalo necessarily has the pieces to satisfy Carolina's like needs for turning Pesci into something that can help right now necessarily, but I think they could provide them with a bunch of assets that Carolina could then turn around and flip into ready-made help, right? So my offer was Noah Osland, or you could take Isaac Rosen if you prefer him, but I, I prefer Osland. Yep. 39. And yep. I would retain on half of Victor Olafson's remaining one year just to give carolina kind of a goal scorer and entice them with oh well he's only he only costs whatever 2.8 or 2.9 million it's not even the full freight of the 4.75 you get this guy for free he might score 30 goals for you who knows it's only a one-year commitment regardless and i think that kind of makes a lot of a lot of sense maybe you could throw in another pick or so depending on how much you value those futures but i think there's an interesting framework
1: around that that would make sense for both teams yeah the the Olafson stylistic fit like I can't think of a of a tougher one like a uh, prayers up to Olsson yeah. who now has to go play dump and chase when really he's best suited to playing with some sort of east west uh, line mates and and planning himself in front of the net. Um, but that's okay. I mean, the value's there in terms of he's it was he's good just to give Carolina kind of like a shooting talent that can step
0: in from day one just totally placeholder. It's not yeah. necessarily a deal breaker, you know.
1: Yeah, either, yeah. They're team is So up
0: against them financially that they have to like make the money work in that capacity. So um but yeah, well, I love I, the I, concept. I think I think that one makes sense. Uh, yeah. you know, for for Buffalo, it's either Pesci, Tanev, or DeMello. That's like the extent of my wish list for that right shot second pair defensemen yep. for them. Uh <laughs> Pesci would obviously be the most expensive, but all three guys essentially have one year left in our UFA's after that. So I think there's something workable there for them, certainly.
1: Yeah, that's um yeah. I mean, you're better off doing that than getting like Joel Edmondson right um Mm. (laughs) and yeah I mean I like the idea of Buffalo aggressively paying to to really significantly upgrade their defense core especially if they can't get like a a game stealer in net you know you you might be best off if you're Buffalo bringing in a couple of guys given that Devon Devon Levi's um going to be waiver exempt this upcoming year right because then you sort of of have three guys you're comfortable with playing NHL games that's kind of the Vegas model and just really amping up what you're able to prevent in terms of quality chances Pesci would certainly do that and would be worth paying retail price for the thing um, that I love about this 31 teams to be honest the thing that I love
0: about this is uh is essentially we're just replicating conversations we would be having at the dog beach while we watch our, our pups <laughs> frolic in the water and instead we're just recording it here so yeah uh, maybe a few uh, maybe a few fewer uh swear words um but otherwise pretty much a replica of the <laughs> conversation we have um all right should we do a pure luke dubois trade here before yeah, it actually happens go i don't i don't have one so you you do it I mean, and to be, and I've been pitching you for this for weeks, so so you yes. can vouch for me that this isn't a matter of me just being like, oh well, it seems like he's going to go to the Kings, so I'm just going to try to get one been, easy one.
1: You've also been all over Kings bundle multiple good players for one great player for like six months here, so. Yeah. You- you're, you're I will I will vouch for you. You've been way ahead of the curve on like the the rumored shape of the PLD. Like I couldn't stop thinking about your trade, your LA Kings trade pitches in particular as sort of details have dripped out of those particular talks. Well, so I'll give you the a spicy one that I like and then we'll go with the
0: one that probably will happen. My preference is Winnipeg signs Pierre-Luc Dubois to a $6 million qualifying offer. They retain about $2 million on it. Ooh. So that gets him down to $4 million for next season.
1: The Goligoski play. Let's go.
0: You combine him with Connor Hellebuck's 6.167 remaining.
1: <laughs> so that gets them <laughs> to about $10 million
0: combined, right? Oh. Which would essentially be nearly what Pierre Luc Dubois's 23, 24 salary will be on an extension just by himself. Mm. Winnipeg does so. Not to help your Luke Dubois, but to help themselves because it maximizes their leverage in terms of what they can get back in return. And instead of this conversation about whether it's like Velarde and I Follow or whatever, we can throw in I Follow certainly just to get some money off of LA's books for next season. Yeah, but and I'm he's taking good. It a step, I'm taking it a step further. I'm that that gets you into the conversation of like including Quinton Byfield and throw in whatever you want else, whether it's a Jordan Spence, whether it's an Alex Turcotte, like nothing's off the table in that regard because all of a sudden LA is essentially being like, we are taking this aggressive approach for next season. We're addressing two of our biggest needs or aspirations in one move. And we're essentially paying a premium to make the money work in one go, as opposed to just bringing in Pierre-Luc Dubois and then having to kind of pinch your nose and bring in some goalie for like the league minimum, which is what they're probably going to have to do.
1: Yeah, now now when you go into LA, you have to face Kopitar, Deneau, Dubois down the middle. One of the deepest, most mobile, most disciplined defense cores in the league, and Connor Hellebuck at the back. I mean, that's such a pain in the neck. Uh, and and I think that's worth you know if, if we're talking, um, Velar, uh, or sorry, if we're talking Byfield, Turcotte. You know, Cupari, Ayafalo. I, I think we're talking about a, a trade that actually does make some sense for LA. Plus, with Kopitar's money coming off the books, um, and and I guess you'd have to wait, right? If you if you qualify, Dubois and sign him, he wouldn't be able to be extended till January. But that would be mm-hmm. perfunctory. And then I think the the test for LA in the wake of this becomes be a destination, be the Hollywood team. Right. Like that's going to like you're no longer doing the like internal build thing. You're going to try and Vegas Golden Knights this you're going to try and keep leveling up because players want to live in SoCal and play for you. And, and so, um, you know, you are sacrificing a fair bit of flexibility to like do it again next summer. But um, you'll get some of that flexibility back with Kopitar's expiring. And I mean, that team sounds like a monster, right? Like I love the idea of the Pacific Division just loading up. And, and being a gauntlet again. Um, and, and I wonder, too, do you think there's extra pressure on these teams because of how complete Vegas looks? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're L.A., your path through the playoffs, you know, you've been frustrated by McDavid, Dreisaitl in consecutive years. Um, this would be the response where it's like, hey, remember when the Jets <laughs> swept the Oilers? Um, let's let's be the best defensive team in hockey. Uh, I kind of like that, and and I think the the time to some extent is right for L.A. to really begin not just to cash in their chips but to, to push those chips into the center of the table.
0: Yeah, and as you mentioned, Kopitar's $10 million salary comes off the books next year. I assume he'll be back, but on kind of one of those like Patrice Bergeron-style organizational-friendly one-year deals with some bonuses yeah. and just keep that going over until he's ready to call it a career. Um, I guess more realistic is you probably – rather than waiting till January 1st to give Pierre-Luc the extension, you probably are going to get that in place with this deal. And that's going to kind of make this all this whole conversation a moot point because you're going to want to keep him happy and not have him playing at a reduced salary in year one, right? It's probably going to come with that immediate, I'd assume somewhere in the ballpark of eight years, 8.5 to 9 million per, right? That seems like kind of mm. the going rate for these types of players. And all of a sudden, if you're LA and you do that, um, it already diminishes your flexibility, right? You're going to be left with like three or four million dollars to bring in a goalie to share the net with Copley, and then bring in like one more defenseman, probably like a a, a left shot on the third pair. The jersey trade, which was seemed kind of innocuous on Saturday, right? It was just like, oh, jersey for a second round pick. We loved it because Sean Jersey was, and I say this fully loving the player and what he provides. He was like put on this earth. To put up fifty to sixty points, playing relatively low stakes hockey. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say meaningless, <laughs> but that's that's unfair. But low stakes hockey for the Coyotes next season, <laughs> and 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 just being one of the most fun players to watch because on any given night he could be the best player for either team. And and I love Sean Dershey, so it's gonna be perfect. If you play fantasy hockey, you need to draft Sean Derzy yeah. next season. It's gonna be electrifying. Now he struggled last
1: year. <laughs> Do you think? Do you think Sean Derzy and like Hollywood Brown will have like uh like a we're <laughs> crushing it in fantasy for the worst team in the league um meetups during yes. the season? Oh yeah. I Definitely. I think they should. They honestly should. Just like 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 those there's going to be no bigger gap between actual on field or on ice value and fantasy value than what you're going to see out of uh, of Glendale and Mullet Arena between Hollywood Brown and Sean Durzi next season, <laughs> and that's perfectly fine. Like if you're la, if you're Arizona, right? Like they give away one of these
0: second rounders. I believe they had four to choose from, and you essentially yeah. he's going to be your number one right shot defenseman next season. I think the only other right shots they have signed to NHL contracts are Victor Soderstrom and Josh Brown, and because of LA's depth of that position, Jersey was playing the left side. We should say last year, and I think that's partly why he struggled. He was playing on his offside a lot. So, like I, I think he's gonna be good, obviously better from a counting stats perspective than an actual winning games perspective, but that's a fine trade. But the reason why I say it's in August is right because LA gets this Montreal second round pick back in 2024, which is may as well be treated as a late first, right? I think it'll mm. probably be around the 35 ish range next season. And yep. so the most realistic trade that we've seen kind of speculated is Pierre Luc Dubar, and then maybe like a Jansen Harkins or some other throw in from Winnipeg's side for Gabe Vlardy, who's an RFA, Alex Ayafalo, who has $4 million left for two more years to make the money work, and then probably Montreal second, which would be a, a delicious twist of the knife if that is the route this goes, uh, Montreal's own pick being used to secure this deal. But uh, what, do, what do you think about the parameters of that, especially from Winnipeg's perspective? right? Because yeah. they, they, we've talked about this a lot, but they clearly have no interest in trading all of these veterans for purely futures, right? Like they want players who can come in and be there for a couple more years at least and help them stay around that fringe playoff mark because they don't want to lose all potential fan interest and revenue uh, at the gate. Like they want to keep people coming to these games. And so they probably prefer going this route of getting a guy like Ayafalo and Velarde who are going to step into their you know top six
1: immediately next season. I mean, I like I follow in Velarde a lot, and they feel like very Winnipeg Jets style players, right? I, I'm there's something about the way that they play, the way that they profile that just makes sense to me. Wearing Winnipeg Jets navy, um, you know who the big winner in this though is? It's Dursey, not just because of the opportunity that awaits him in, in Arizona, but the idea that he gets dealt and that the pick acquired for him. It's like Winnipeg preferred the pick to Dursey, right? And mm-hmm. it's like so. Now you get to go to Arizona. You get to go live in Scottsdale instead of living in Winnipeg. I think he might be the big winner uh, in this whole trade. Um, Look, the Jets, obviously, in my view, and from a how does this team win a championship perspective, would be better off to target pure futures and rebuild. But if you're not going to be able to, I mean, do you view Dubois as like a top line center? Fringe? No, for fringe top the line.
0: more but other thing is if you have Kopitar still playing at this level for another year or two and yeah. Philip Dano for LA's perspective, he doesn't necessarily need to be a pure alpha number one battle winner. No. Right? He just needs to kind but of I, fit in I, with that group.
1: But I'm talking about it from Winnipeg's perspective. Like at the end of the day, if you view him as a Bo Horvat, like in that Bo Horvat Tomash Hurdle range as a player, which which I think is probably where I'd land on him, right? Uh top, 35 center uh, as opposed to a top 15 guy and and your return is I follow uh, a late first of, of equivalent pick and uh, a really good young player in Velarde who's still got some versatility, right? I mean, he's a winger, but I don't know that he's always going to be a winger. Mm. I, you know, at the end of the day, I think the value is there. And and I think Winnipeg's done really well trading the bigger name guys for the more anonymous guys, and then having them be roughly as good. Uh, I know Pionk had a nightmare year this past season, but like for the most part, since the Truba trade, you know that what what's the value gap between Truba and Pionk been in their respective uh, new cities? Like, I don't know that it's been nearly as big as the headlines and the name recognition would suggest. So in that mold, like these these are the types of this is the type of business that Winnipeg does really well. And I, I, you know, if that's what it looks like, I don't, I don't hate it for them. In fact, far from it. I I quite like it for them.
0: Well, I I love Velarde as a player. Like the only real concern for me is health, right? Because when he's on the ice, he's fantastic. Last year, he had 23 goals in 63 games. Yeah. He's a sick shooter. His shot is a weapon, but he also has a nice little, he uses his frame. Well, he's got a good, good hands around the net as well. Like a lot of like tip-ins and deflection Mm -hmm. goals last year, he was 17th in the league in goals per minute. Um, so considering Winnipeg doesn't have a lot of leverage here in the sense that everyone knows they have to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois and it's kind of like a ticking time bomb, getting an actual legitimate quality piece in that regard that's 24 and cause control makes sense. I guess from LA's perspective, I get why they're interested in Pierre-Luc Dubois, right? Because Mm -hmm. it helps lighten the load on Kopitar. Like there's no reason at 36 years old why he should be playing 20 minutes a game again like he was last year. And He gives you that size down the middle. You're paying for age 25 to 32 seasons essentially on an eight-year deal with him so that those are the years you want to buy. He's like one of the biggest chaos agents in the league where he leads the league the past two years in penalties drawn and penalties taken. Uh, (laughs) He His net front work is phenomenal. He creates so many high danger chances. And so I get it from LA's perspective. I guess my only question is, to, to kind of piggyback off what you asked me initially, is he enough of a difference maker to justify pushing chips in this way as opposed to potentially playing a bit more of a patient game and keeping your powder dry for maybe a better player that comes up in the next year or so that is uh, that is trying to you know flex that pre-agency muscle and get to LA. Yeah. Because that will happen regardless of who you think it is. There will be a couple that will players happen. that will check those boxes. And so I wonder whether going all in now as opposed to waiting for six months to a year what the kind of more plus ev play is for them
1: well and also if you want to be the team that locks everyone down defensively but also has maybe a gear offensively that the kings to this point in their sort of build their rob blake era build haven't had like could you have a a tastier group of ufa centermen that profile that way than the, the following three extension elig- eligible guys on July 1 in, in Matthews, Aho, and Pedersen. I mean, Man. that's that's like across the board, three absolute difference makers. But, you know, I, I guess I'd go with this. Like, as the NBA and the NHL, this is like a an overarching theory of mine, is that the NHL and the NBA are like converging in mm-hmm. terms of the style of their player movement. So we've got the NHL, all of a sudden there's pre-agency and, and this like, you know, nascent sense of player empowerment Tori Krug even getting in on the action refusing to wave Um, but also in the NBA we've got this you know like if you've been paying attention with like Davis Bertons and and Bradley Beal like teams are giving away players and actually paying to get off of players Uh, Jordan Poole like we're seeing NHL style trades in the NBA uh, to go along with the fact that we've had a you know an eighth seed ride uh, unsustainable round of percentages and you know a cynical play style that took advantage of of gaps in the way that the game is officiated to make the finals it's like the most nhl story ever what the miami heat did um but part of that like if they, if that logic's right right part of what the nba teams that land the guy do best is they got a sh- they got a shot they're always winning mm-hmm. right like on the one hand to be asset poor should you know, one of those three centermen that I listed, for example, shake loose next offseason as a pre-agent or or you know, in in Matthews' case as an outright UFA. Um, are you better off having the assets to outbid somebody? Or are you better off being the team on the rise that someone wants to be a finishing piece for? Mm. Right? So so I think it's sort of about like that's how I'd look at the gamble. There, there's the Flexibility or optionality angle that, that you maybe want to keep your powder dry on. But on the other hand, do you need to make sure that you're seen as a realistic place to go in a cup if you're going to sort of uh cross the finish line as the most appealing destination for one of those guys once they start sort of flexing their muscle, or should they start to flex their muscle either, you know, this offseason or next? That would be my question to you. Like, I don't know the answer. I, I just that would be how I'd view it. Like Maybe the Kings aren't even playing this game, but if they are, maybe part of the judgment call is our best bet to get one of these guys uh, is going to be to be the single most appealing destination in the league, which is going to require like PLD helps us accomplish that because that's going to make us a second round team, a third round team. That's going to be the thing that helps us um, you know, look a certain way, project a certain way in appealing to this you know, overwhelming class of free agents over the course of the next 24 months. Yeah. Well, there's certainly value with the bird in
0: the hand, right? Like rather than the waiting game, I guess the only problem with that is probably if you make a move like this until at least 2025, you are kind of boxed in a little bit in terms of yeah. even if someone shakes loose just because of we expect the cap will go up but not as much as the following year. So it kind mm-hmm. of you, you create this like little buffer period where you're in limbo a little bit. Whereas if it was a year ahead now, I would be like all about it because once the cap spikes up, you have all of a sudden more runaway to get out of contracts and move stuff around, which is something that was a trademark of the NBA and now with all these apron rules they're installing is almost gonna push it more towards the NHL model. In some oh, it's some, it's a hard sense, it's a hard
1: cap right? system, man. It's a hard cap mm-hmm. system because it limits your flexibility and and you know the elevator system. Or, or the elevator cap year next season, like it feels like most of the agents, you know, the people with skin in the game that I talked to are expecting, you mentioned a, a lower than expected bump. Like I, I do get the sense that most agents are sort of trying to look at it and think about it and project something far more modest than like the nine, you know, we're going to be at 90 million in the summer of, um, of 2024. Like, you know, it feels like the expectation uh, just back of the napkin seems to be more like four, four and a half lift. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully everything holds together and we end up at 90 million by, uh, by 2025 anyway. Mm. Okay. Tom, let's, uh, let's take a break here before we okay. switch gears
0: and talk more trades. Uh, we're we're way do, too um, into
1: the Kings. We didn't, done, we didn't
0: get into many trades. We've done 30 minutes on two trades. So,
1: uh, <laughs> looking forward to seeing what part two
0: holds here. Uh, you're listening to the hockey cast streaming on the Sportsnet radio network.
1: Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right, we're back in the Hockeypedio cast with Thomas Drance. We're doing trades. We'd like to see this offseason. Tom, I think you're (laughs) up now because
1: after my 20-minute Pierre-Luc Dubois, trade do you you have some easy ones that we can like lightning round through like five and then we can get into a couple big concepts like calgary on the back end okay i do okay i have one which isn't a three-teamer so but i'm sure it won't be a lightning round one but it's going to be one that's sure to annoy the most people okay let's let's get to that and then i've got like i can round through like some that are just like i like the fit here and i think this will be the price so uh so so go with that and then i'll like lightning round you a couple and then we can get in the and then let's get in the flames once. Okay, Alex DeBrincat,
0: who's a okay. Player uh, that is, let's go. Highly, highly talked about. Right, we'll, yep. we'll be on the move. Alex Debrinkat from the Ottawa Senators to mm-hmm. the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, for let's picks, go pick seventy-seven. Okay, okay. and Waugh. Ooh, okay. So I love that for Ottawa. Waugh, twenty-six years old. <laughs> four years left at 3 million per steel was bumped to the wing for a large parts of the season, just because of Vegas's depth for Ottawa, he would essentially slot in behind Tim Stutzla and a returning Josh Norris. Perfect for that role, right? I think you and I both agree. He has much more untapped playmaking potential than he's been able to show just because of usage. And even in the playoffs, when he was playing with uh, Carlson and Smith on the second line, he showed it. And so, I think that's the best player that they're going to get back in return for this. It doesn't necessarily recoup the draft capital that they paid to get Alex to bring And obviously Vegas can't offer them that in return. But I, I think considering their sort of objectives and the way they're they've, they've pushed themselves into getting a player in his prime. Who's as good as Nick Wah is on the contract he's on is about as well as you can hope for. And I, and, and maybe I'm just really high on the player and others might not be. And they're going to be like, Oh, I can't believe that's all you can get. But, I view that as a pretty fair
1: return. Yeah. You're talking about Nick while playing the wing. And all I can hear in my head is the, um, is the German scientist from the captain America movie where it's like the sanity of the plans of no consequence. Like why? Cause he can do it. Mm. Like why push, push Nick water to the wing? Cause he can do it. He's such a skilled playmaker and he brings all the like size face off winning defensive chops stuff you want in a third line center. Um, That's a really good trade for, for the senators. I actually love that for the senators. Uh, you know, the problem is, is no matter how this to trade looks, the asset they're getting back is not going to match the the seventh overall pick in the 2022 NHL entry draft, which resulted in them picking Kevin Kurczynski, who's who's really, really good. Um, but but you have to get over that if you're Ottawa and just just make the best deal. Here's here's my DeBrinket deal, because I do have one myself. I've got him going to Detroit and I've got him going to Detroit with Matthew Joseph who obviously disappointed on the first year of a three-year, $3 million extension, but drafted by Steve Eiserman's Tampa Bay Lightning, right? Had sort of that breakout year in Syracuse for Steve Eiserman's Tampa Bay Lightning, scored 13 goals in his first NHL season when Iserman was still in Tampa Bay. So from Eiserman's perspective, it's like buy low on two pricey. Yes, but also like prime aged wingers. And, and I, I, you know, I think I can get them cheap. Um, and Detroit sends to Ottawa one of their second round picks and Philip Zadina. I, I That's don't, my, <laughs> you don't
0: like it. I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like Zadina, I'd be okay. He's 24 years old. He doesn't make much money. Like I'm fine with seeing if there's something there. I, I don't, that doesn't move the needle for me if I'm Ottawa though.
1: No, I agree with you.
0: I'd way rather have your deal. Yeah. That's why I've seen a lot of it. even if it was like, oh, 17 and Zadina
1: or something, it's like, I don't, it's it's fine. Oh, I um, I don't think you're getting 17 though. If if Detroit's taking Matthew Joseph, like, this is basically my like we made a mistake. Let's get a cost controlled guy and a valuable pick, and and we move right. on. Yeah, well, especially and, considering, and we get rid of both of last summer's mistakes in one fell swoop. I mean, and they're also direct competitors in the Atlantic. Not
0: that that should preclude you, but in in this sense, like I'm not just giving the brink at to Detroit, considering he's such an obvious fit and need for them from a scoring mm. perspective, without making them pay for it right? Yep. And so all of these rumors make a lot of sense for Detroit and to bring at. But the reason why I like the Vegas one is because he essentially slots in to replace Barbashev on Eichel's wing, which is just scary to think about. And if you can get him to sign for like 7.5 by 7, which might be a bit on the lower end, but considering the lack of uh, state tax and also playing for a reigning Stanley Cup champion, getting to live in Vegas, maybe you can sell him on that. They can yep. actually make that work without... Like I'm assuming Robin Leonard will not play in the NHL anymore, but beyond that, it doesn't even involve like shenanigans involving Mark Stone on LTIR or anything like that. That team is cap compliant if you do that, even with Aiden Hill's yep. extension. And then you could even get crazier and potentially do like a, I mean, you can always get rid of Alec Martinez's remaining uh, year if you need to, to clear room. But you could even, if you like Nick Was so much, or Vegas, you don't want to do it, but you do want to get into the Alex DeBrincat business. How about a Zach Whitecloud to Buffalo for a bunch of futures? Fits that right handed need for them. And then you turn those futures into the brinkette.
1: Man, uh like why well, I love the white cloud fit for New Jersey. I just would not Buffalo trade Buffalo. him. Or yeah. sorry, for yeah. Buffalo. Uh, I like it for New Jersey too. I like white clouds fit on 31 teams, which yes. is why if I'm Vegas, I'm not doing it. I mean, I do think Vegas shedding money along the blue line makes sense. We know how big an engine that blue line was for them mm-hmm. i had a vegas and the reason i had the devils in my mind i had a vegas sending for alec martinez and you know i had new jersey targeting him because i do think while you're losing graves and um severson and i don't think you need to be concerned about it given the emergence of kevin ball giving the present given the presence of luke hughes and given the um you know uh way that simone nemich played in the american league last year mm-hmm. i still think if you're if you're the devils um bringing in a, a like an a, adult a, a multi-time champion like alec martinez would be the way to sort of short-term uh replace the the veteran help you're losing on the back end like I, if i'm the devils i'm not really going out and like spending on a free agent or anything, but if it's a one year deal for the right citizen for the right winner, I'd consider it. And Alec Martinez for me is that guy. Um, Brendan Smith and a 2023 second round pick that's full cap relief for Vegas. Now they can go extend Barbashev, which I do think they want to do. So that would be, that would be my um, Vegas golden Knights dump a salary trade. If I'm them, there's almost nothing like the the White Cloud Hague pair, the way that they played in Tufts in the playoffs and being six million. I'm just not parting with that. Like that to me is one of the best cost efficient and like hard cap era pairs in the league right now. No, I'm I'm
0: I'm and they played first pair of minutes for them at five on five. I Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm just I'm trying to illustrate the point of like a, a, Vegas has proven they will not rest on their laurels. They will no. be willing to make a splash trade and mix things up. And they have the the they have the ability to do so, right? Like they're <clears> they're <throat> not backed into a corner cap wise. They can do whatever they want. That the Brinkat trade for Nick Wah is, man. I, I the more I think about it, the
1: more I love it. I, I'm um, on board. I love I love the fit of Wah in, um in Ottawa, and I, I also like the idea of, you know, shifting occasionally a, a guy like Brady Kachuk onto the wing to play with him, just because mm-hmm. given was. Given was playmaking ability and his size. I think you'd be a lot to handle if you attack teams with those two on the same line. Um, All right. I've got, I've got one really quick one. We can literally yeah. just like go over this so fast, but That's the it. team that should pay a third round pick to acquire Matt Greslick is the Detroit Red Wings. Oh, yeah. I'm really convinced of this. I mean, you've got the Sherrod, uh, Edvinson, Moe Sider size guys on the back end. So, if you're concerned about Greslick size, like what team is better positioned to deal with that uh, than, than Detroit? And what they really need is just like overall two way ability. And Greslick has that in spades. They, they're the team, especially with their surplus draft capital, that uh, that can make that happen and that would be a smart fit and that would probably be a place that, you know, ultimately could extend him. Uh, beyond that, but obviously that's not part of the deal or it doesn't need to be in my opinion. What do you think of this one? This one's well can I give you a quick I... can I give you a quick hey, yeah. quick Grizzly please one? of course. It is a three teamer, yep. but I promise I'll be quick. No, that's
0: fine. Okay. I've got one you'll hate. That's why I'm excited. So the Colorado Avalanche. Oh, okay, good. Perfect. Yep. Taylor Hall at 50% retained. So three oh, million dollars. Yeah. The Blackhawks retain that 50%, right? So the only issue there is they were already retaining on Jake McCabe so that locks him in for two multi-year two. Yeah. retention slots, but they retain half of it. They get Matt Grizzlick, who is instantly their number one left shot defenseman for this season, and then yeah. they can flip him at the deadline again if they so choose to.
1: Yeah, Grizzlick and, and Murphy and Tufts. I don't hate it. And the 27th overall
0: pick from the Avalanche, so they get back in the first round. Okay. And the Bruins get back a fourth or whatever, third, but most importantly, 9.4 million in salary cap relief because they just got off of Taylor Hall's contract entirely and Matt Grislick without retaining any money back, and they it's a tough pill to swallow. But they're going to have to make those types of moves because they have absolutely no other recourse in terms of clearing yeah. money to improve their team, and they don't have any picks. So um, it's it's a tough one for the Bruins. I'm sure they'd like to get something back in return beyond a third or a fourth marginal pick, but I think that's a that's a that's a fascinating three teamer right there.
1: Oh, yeah, I like that a lot. I th- I think Boston to clear that much cap space, I mean, especially to have Chicago retain for you, they they might actually need to throw more into the deal. Um, Like as much as they might look at it and be like, I'm not sure we got enough. The financial flexibility they're getting back might be more valuable. Like their side might be the underpowered side in, in terms of overall or, or yeah, aggregate trade value.
0: 27th overall, considering how teams are valuing first rounders in this year's class, plus Grizzlik is... A pretty useful way for the Blackhawks to to use that retention
1: slot in three million, yeah. right? So, yeah, no, for sure. Um, all right, this is my Jay Fresh Memorial bad trade for the Avalanche, okay. putting the that evil out there in the world so that the Pittsburgh Penguins can then actually make the trade instead. Mm-hmm. The logic of this trade is how to create the space to extend Devontae without taking a step back. Okay, yes. so this is this is I, a I hate it already. Yeah, this is a long term flexibility play. Um, all right, I'm just going to go to the Montreal Canadiens, Samuel Girard, mm-hmm. to Colorado, Yoel Armia at 50% retained, and Joel Edmondson. <laughs> well, that's not <laughs> enough. But I don't think that's enough back for the abs. Well, they're clearing the long term flex. See, I, I think it's an underpowered but Gerard's all, an asset. on the other side. I don't think
0: they need to worry about clearing his money. Like I think I think they could they could wield that as like getting actual pieces back that could help them. I don't I'm not an Edmondson guy and our NBA's fine at fifty percent, but I would swing yeah, like, all type move. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I don't disagree with you, but at the end of the day, you're trading a guy you think of as a second pair tough minutes guy in Gerard. For a guy who you probably, you know, profile similarly, but with a little bit of a more rugged style, and he expires. Like he expires and he's affordable for this upcoming season. And you've added, you know, a guy who you're counting on to be like, uh, can you just chip in a goal on the third line here and there, Yoel? Come on. Can you just, because, because if you can do that, you're way better than, you know, the, the, the Ben Myers, Dennis Mulgan um, sort of crew that we were sending out there in the playoffs. Uh, so I'm up- upgrading their depth and effectively you know Gerard I think can do more than he's asked to do in Colorado but what what are they looking for right they get a guy who can play the left or the right side and who can hold up in toughs and you know that's that's what that's what I'm trying to accomplish and then I clear a bunch of space like I clear most of Gerard's money um and can uh you know start start talks with uh with Devonaves's agent and law. In a guy who I think is essential to what they do, that's that's the logic. I knew you'd hate it, though. <laughs> I hope Jay Fresh hates it. Okay, well here's a <laughs> sorry, Jack. Here's here's one for you to the Avs, Nikolai
0: Ehlers, two years remaining at six million per. Yeah, and I mean I'm already on board. And Logan Stanley. Okay. Or Sam Gerrard and 27th overall. Um, is that enough for Ehlers? I mean, Sam Gerard at five million for four more years with no trade yeah, restrictions. for the Jets
1: too. For the Jets,
0: especially because because
1: you are going to have Dylan and,
0: Dylan and DeMillo are both uh, UFA's next summer. Yeah, I, I would be trying to trade Pionk if I were them as well. I think Gerard is an interesting play for them in that regard. I mean, mm-hmm. I value Eulers more. I would, I I would, if I had Eulers and I was trading him, first off, I wouldn't trade him. But second of all, if I was if I was forced to, I would ask for more than that. The issue is that he's so wasted on, on a Rick bonus team that I just, I don't selling him now while you can still get premium assets before he's an impending UFA next on next year is interesting. I could take or leave the Logan Stanley one. If you want to throw in a fourth or fifth rounder in return, and then the abs turn around and replace Gerard by being the team that gets Matt Grizzlick for a fourth. Yeah. I'm into that as well. So you turn Sam Gerard's role into Grizzlick and then you get Nick Healers from that. Um, I don't know. I think I think the Avs, I mean, they've shown that they're gonna get creative, that they're be, gonna be aggressive. I think I think they can aim higher than Edmondson and Armia personally. Um, but I'm with you on like they need to prioritize keeping Devon Taves. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um okay. Do you wanna do some flames ones? Because I have yeah. a I have a big Carlson one. But okay, let's, uh, we can let's start that with that end. one. Okay, oh, no, no. Do, now?
1: Do, do the Carlson one and then let's end with the flames because I've got a bunch of flames once. Okay. To the stars,
0: Eric Carlson at $10 million. So the Sharks retain $1.5 million for the next four years, which they've okay. expressed uh, a disdain for doing significant money. I think one point five they could be talked into. Okay. They take back Mason Marchment. So $4.5 yep. for three more years, but those are basically the rest of his 20s. I think that's not that big of a poison pill deal. And Colin Miller, 1.85 for one more year. Play him, shelter him, trade him at the deadline, whatever you want to do with him. It's just one more, one more year. Yeah. They get compensated for that, not only getting off of Carlson's money for the next four years at 10 million, they get Niels Lundqvist, who's a 23-year-old playing on an ELC for one more year and just got traded for a first and fourth last year. 61st overall this year, a 2024 stars first, and your pick of Ayrton Martino or Antonio Stranges.
1: What is the shot attempt differential of a Miro Haskin and Eric Carlson pair? It's like 68. <laughs> well, I, I just, I just think they should like, does anyone else touch the puck? I mean, they should just
0: make sure they have one of those guys on the ice at all times. Like they yeah. shouldn't even play. Obviously you can play them situationally if you're pushing for a goal or whatever, but yeah. their their, their second pair was such a weakness in the playoffs against Vegas. Right. And yep. so that would make the money work. It would it require promoting Logan Stankoven and Maverick Bork and having them play roles for you next year. But I'm fine with that. I think they should probably yeah, do that. That's going to happen anyway. Yeah. And so the money is not that prohibitive on the Carlson deal. Like, obviously there's a risk involved in terms of you're buying high and like, he's what, 33 years old and could get hurt again. But if you look at the way their contracts are distributed, like Hints and Haskinen are locked in. Robertson is due a raise in three years and Ottinger in two but at that point, Ben's money comes off the books. Lindell's money comes off the books. Sigan is a bit longer, but his last year has only a $1 million salary. So I'm sure you can get creative with moving that deal out if you need to clear space. Like, I think there's a way to sort of have your cake and eat it too if you're Dallas here, where there's not that much risk, but the reward is so high because you're improving your biggest weakness in a massive way for a team that was already pretty close to making the Stanley Cup final. So I don't see a way they could improve their team better than this. And for San Jose, I'm not sure what they're looking back in return, but there's very few teams that are going to be able to take Eric Carlson back at 10 million without asking San Jose to eat significantly more than that.
1: I mean, I love, I love it. I love the fit and you know, San Jose, I think, is going to be really hard pressed to get anything approximating full value, and and I think you've actually taken care of them in, in a way that also improves the team paying for it. So, well, it's a lot. I, to, I like it's that. a lot to take back. It's a lot to like take back in terms of like you're taking
0: Marchman, or Miller, whatever. You're retaining someone, Carlson. Yeah, not getting back a premium prospect in Stankov and O'Bork. I think those guys are not to be considered here, but you're no. getting back like a, a quantity of assets, right? And and considering how few teams can actually take Carlson back, I I, I would consider it if I were them, because this is probably the the time to do so. It, it was probably at the deadline last year, but if not this off season. otherwise you might just be stuck with them for the next four years.
1: Yeah. Only issue I see is Marchman has a modified no trade. And as we've learned with the Krug deal, not learned, but right. as the Krug deal reminded us, um, you know, you can talk as much as you want about taxes and, and all that, like the dirtiest word for players considering where they want to play is rebuild. And the Sharks are purely a rebuilding team. So that might be the only fly in the ointment, but I, I really like that trade okay. um, for okay, both give me, sides.
0: Let's do, let's do some Flames ones here before we, uh, before we get out of here. Right,
1: what do you think about this one? Calgary, okay, is going to retain 50% of Mikhail Backlund's tr- contract. Okay. This is part of a sequence of moves. I've got two trades involving Calgary trading Centerman and getting young Centerman back. So that gets him under three million for next season, right? Under three million for next season, okay. and they're also going to send Kevin Rooney to okay. the Tampa Bay Lightning. So the Tampa Bay Lightning are bringing in Mikhail Backlund, and Calgary is going to get back Tampa's 2024 third, Ross Colton, who they can extend, and Philippe Myers to make the money work. Yeah, I Backlund Backlund gets to like Backlund can be. The linchpin of the next Gaudreau line, right? The, the Tampa Bay is going to have to play Stamkos with Point, with Kalorn moving on. Be be careful right? with like, saying the names Backlund and Gaudreau
0: in succession that closely. I think Flames fans might get PTSD <laughs> from
1: uh, from those two names being linked. Fair, um, but yeah, you're. I mean, they're going to need to. They're with Kalorn moving on. They're going to need to like load up. So I I think. You know, it, no one talks about Tampa Bay needing like bottom six center depth, but I kind of think they do Um, because I think Stamkos is going to have to move to the wing full time. I think Sorelli's Sur- going to have to be a second line center. Um, Mikhail Backlund would come in and give them an elite, an elite defensive center. Like you want to play that one, three, one in the playoffs and, and grind out a bunch of two, one wins. Mikhail Backlund's your guy. And at 50% retained, um, you know, I, I, I think it's under three, right? It's like 27 so something like that, two point nine. Yeah. Um, I think that's uh, I think that's a win for Tampa, and then Calgary turns around and has a guy who I think can level up and and do a lot more if he's in an, in a situation where uh, he's given the opportunity to do it in Ross Colton. Obviously, a huge loss to lose Backlund, but given his age. Given the fact that his extension is going to be a 35 plus extension, um, maybe he has more value around the deadline, but I don't think you're getting a better player back than Ross Colton. So I think it makes sense for Calgary, especially as part of a sequence of moves in which they also send Elias Lindholm and the UFA rights to Trevor Lewis, <laughs> <laughs> which I've included just for funsies. To the Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh, okay, so you
0: stole this from me. You sent he's, him a gun.
1: He's united with um with Gaudreau. Right. Yep. Okay. And Calgary returns Cole Sillinger, Adam Bockwist, and to make the money work for the Blue Jackets, Jack Roslevic. Oh, I mean, that's a no-brainer for, for Calgary.
0: I don't think they would be able to get back that Sillinger tier of prospect. I had Roslevic, Boquist, and Alex Texier who's uh, going to yeah, be yeah, coming returning back. to the NHL. yeah, And then maybe a you know, 98th overall
1: or something, a pick
0: in there. But See, we we're kind of I on think, the same lines there.
1: I think Lindholm will return a little more than that. Like the way I sort of look at this as um, if the Canucks got what they got for Horvat, right? And Lindholm is better. Right. That's a first. So I sort of view Sillinger as like the equivalent mm-hmm. of a first in value. That's... Anthony Beauvillier, I view Jack Roslevic as equivalent in value. And then they got A Ratu, and I sort of view Blockvist as like an upgrade on that on that right. prospect. So, you know, I think that's the template of what a, a Lindholm deal has to look like. So I, I think you're I think they need to get commensurate value of a first round pick, but obviously Columbus isn't gonna trade three. So that would be my that would be my um that would be my Calgary ends up out of this with Sillinger, Colton, and Jack Roslevic, who, you know, they'll rebuild, like, he'll play half the season and probably get sent on. Mm -hmm. And you've got real NHL players, so you're not, like, fully rebuilding, but you've pivoted quickly from, you know, a 35-year-old and a 28-year-old, neither of whom seems eager to stay with your organization. And all of a sudden, you've got a Colton-Sillinger group down the middle that, you know, I think is really interesting for 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 a Flames team that already has guys like Pellice, um, you know, to to sort of do an expedited build here.
0: Yeah, I like it. I mean, we were kind of thinking along the same lines there, so I can't quibble with it too much. I, the idea of reuniting Lynn and could is fun as well. Right. And Super so, fun. Um, Columbus and Trevor Lewis for Mike Center. Babcock. Congratulations. Mom. Oh, there we go. I mean, can they get Kevin Rooney as well? Can we, uh, <laughs> can we actually flip Kevin Rooney from Tampa Bay to, uh, yeah, to absolutely. Um, okay. Well, while we're on this then, cause I like both, I, I, I had a backland going to either Colorado or, or Carolina as has been rumored. I still think Colorado, yep. even after the Johansson trade should be in on that, but let's do handoff and into Foley then as well. Um, while we're on this, right. Uh, do you have any Hannafin or Toffoli landing spots, even if only kind of in in general framework, rather than like specific assets returning?
1: And You know what? I don't at the moment. Um, excuse me. I feel you uh, me I you? feel like I've let you down. Please, no, it's okay. Hannafin,
0: who I do have to say I don't value as much as the mar- industry probably does. Um yep. I think he's a player who looks really good in a uniform, and. He definitely does. Is big and can skate well for that size. I don't really know what specific qualities he's above average to really good at. Um but he's just like a fine player, a good second pair defenseman. If you if you look at his goal shares at five one five throughout his NHL career, the 2021-2022 season is an outlier where he was really really good. And then if you look a bit closer, most of it was just playing with that historically great Kachuk Goodrow in home line. And without mm-hmm. them, he's essentially been like a fifty to fifty one percent goal share player throughout his career, which is fine. It's like very, it's a very yeah. Noah Hannafin stat, which is like, yeah, not nothing, but also not something that I'm excited to <laughs> sign for seven more
1: years. He's um, a classic like yo yo player, eh? Where where two years ago he was undervalued because he was the price of Dougie Hamilton, right? You know what I mean, and now. It's it sort of flipped where people are like, no, he's a star and he's definitely just like a really good top four defenseman. Well, I like and him not a, and not a top pair defenseman. I like him as a twenty six
0: year old making four point nine five million. I oh, don't yeah love him as a twenty nine thirty year old making six point five or whatever, which is what it right. probably will on his extension. But to Pittsburgh, Noah Hannafin, to Calgary. Michael Michael Granlin's uh contract, which is five million for two more years, so it avoids the uh the shame of the buyout, even though Kyle obviously wasn't involved in that trade. And 14th overall.
1: Ooh, wow. Wow. So Calgary gets picks 14 and 16. Uh, now that's I mean, obviously that that that's rich. I I I'm just
0: I'm thinking that people really like Hannafin. I'm kind of trying I, to like put myself in the shoes of the industry as opposed to what I don't I think do that's myself.
1: rich. I think, I mean, again, the the Provorov, like at the end of the day, you're still getting less for Hannafin than Philadelphia got for Provorov. Well, and right? next so, season, you're essentially turning Granlin's
0: salary slot into Noah Hannafin, who will help you significantly more if you're Pittsburgh, and all you really yeah. care about is next year, and I guess the year after, while Crosby's still under contract. So
1: Yeah, I actually um, think Pittsburgh might need to sweeten it based yeah. off okay, of... Okay, let's throw in Samuel Poulin. Yeah, something like that. I, I, I think that's right. All of a sudden, um, if you're
0: them, you're going, if you're Pittsburgh, you're going Hannafin Latang, Marcus Pedersen, Jeff Petrie, POJ, and then you sign either Kyle Dubas' favorite, Justin Hole, or bring <laughs> yeah. in Duke Goudas or Clifton or any third pair Never. right-shot yeah. defenseman. And all of a sudden, that's a that's a pretty formidable blue line for that team. Like I, I think I think Mike Sullivan can certainly make that work. And so that's a massive improvement, I should say. As dubious as I am of Hannafin being a star, going from what
1: Brian Dumoulin gave you in that role last year, I do think it's a significant upgrade. So well, um, I I do see Proto dumoulin when I watch Hannafin play. You know, like I think I think his fate might be to be the 51% goal share guy on like almost like a like a like a competent passenger D you know, on a, on a really good team where it's like on paper, it doesn't look like they should be able to match up with the best in the league, but on the ice, it, it kind of works. I kind of, that makes sense to me. Um, I like that. That's, that's interesting. Uh, Big price, but I mean, it does make sense that the penguins do need a big time lefty D and Hannafin's probably the best who's going to move uh, or who might move over the next two weeks.
0: Yeah. The Toffoli one, I didn't have anything locked down. I think, I mean, there's so many teams, right? Because he's he was so good last year and 4.25 million cap hit, but also just the 3.5 million salary next season. And the fact that he's now thrived in how many markets that are, that are like not necessarily the easiest to, to be in. Right. Like I, I think mm-hmm. any team, like no one should be scared off of like, Oh no, like can Tyler Toffoli work here? Like I think every single good team should probably be in on Tyler Toffoli on the trade market. So I included teams like the Leafs and Hurricanes. Um, I had a, I was working on a Rangers one, and it just got, it got too out of hand. I'm almost like scared to actually say the names involved because I was like, oh my god, this is, gonna, I'm going to get ridiculed off the internet if I, if I put this in, into, uh, into the public sphere. So I don't, I didn't wind up having anything, anything locked down for Tafoli, but just because of how little he makes for how productive he is, I think a team that's like very cap strapped should be all in on him.
1: For sure, for sure. Uh, Colorado to me is the team that that makes a ton of sense for Toffoli, but I, but I didn't look at it and shape that deal. I've got one more Seattle one, by the way, that I designed as like a sequence in terms of them getting Pesci, and this also involves the Flames. Um, but what about what about Morgan Geeky? RFA rights for Morgan Geeky, who you know can play center. I like him more on the wing, but he can play center. Yep. Jager Furcus, top dub dub prospect, Hell a yeah. really good pick by the yep. Kraken. And Winnipeg's, um, or sorry, not Winnipeg's, um, Seattle's 2024 first-round pick, okay? 2024 first-round pick with the following protection structure. Top 15 protected, top 10 protected in 2025, and then top three protected ad infinitum beyond that. Just keeps rolling over, but it's never going to be surrendered as a top three pick. Um, And that's just because Geeky and Furcus is like, that's a fair bit of value coming back to Calgary. So you're not also... uh, to to offset that Seattle's not taking the risk that they've given you Tim Stutzla. Right. Um, and then, and then to Seattle, Elias Lindholm with an extension. Um, he sort of serves as like the big Wenberg upgrade, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, there's no Jack Eichel available on the trade market this summer, but Lindholm is the best opportunity for a team like Seattle to take a big swing to upgrade uh, down the middle. And then, you know, a a world where they're going Beneers, Lindholm and Jan Gord down, down the middle. I mean, you know, again, not, we're not talking Carlson Stevenson, uh, Eichel, but that's the, that's the neighborhood I'm trying to get into with, uh, with that deal.
0: Yeah, I like that one. I mean, I know the fit is certainly good. And if it came with an extension, um, I'm I'm interested I'm I'm worried about what Lynn Holmes extension is going to look like if it's like me too it's the equivalent of a of a bull horvath and you don't like if he goes to Columbus at least Johnny Gaudreau will be passing him the puck so he probably will score 35 to 40 goals yep on Seattle I'm 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 more dubious it's probably similar to what he did last year which is really good but not worth 8.5 million probably so yeah um yeah all right well I think that's uh let's put a pin in there. Hopefully we can get this out there and people can listen before any of these players get moved. Um, <laughs> but um, that's always the risk you run this time of season, Tom, this was a blast. I'm really, there's no one else I would have rather uh, done this with. And so I'm glad we got to do it. I'll let you quickly plug some stuff like you did at the top. Let the listeners know <laughs> what you've got in the works where they can check you out. Cause you're going to be very busy over the next week or so.
1: Yeah. Well stay tuned to connect. Hour this week, I'll be or Canucks Talk, excuse me, this week. Good plug, Drance. Killing it. Canucks um, two hours. Canucks two hours. Canuck's talk. Uh, I'll be live from Nashville uh throughout the week. So should be a fun show as we trace all of the happenings around Vancouver and and of course around the NHL. And uh obviously at the athletic. Uh, I'll have tons of draft coverage over the course of the week. Mailbag up now in two parts. Uh, it includes that trade that brings will borgen to vancouver my most on-brand fake trade of all time i love it bud um keep up
0: the (laughs) great work enjoy your week in nashville here we're going to check in with you soon thank you to the listeners for listening to us we'll be back with plenty more this week of the hockey Cast streaming on the sports night radio network